Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Ricky and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, Steph. Good evening, Steph. Uh, I'd ask how it's going, but I think we all know. Uh, But let's all wish uh, Ange a happy birthday, right? We're recording this on his birthday. Yes, happy Happy birthday, birthday, Ange. We're not singing, no? Happy birthday to Ange. Happy birthday to Ange. Happy birthday, dear Ange. Happy birthday, dear Ange. Or to Ange. And Milo has studiously avoided singing because his Tom Jones-like tones are just too good for this pod. He doesn't give them away for free, folks. He saves them for another pod somewhere that doubtless is Patreon-fed. Well, I think Ange was playing down the birthday as well quite a lot, wasn't he? He wasn't really. I think it's that approaching sixty thing. He doesn't really want to be reminded of. Ah, it's not. It's all right, Ange. It's all right, mate. Trust me. (laughs) But what I have to say, and let's be honest, is Angie's generosity is so great that it is us who have been receiving the gifts from him uh, and his philosophy, right? Because uh, look, it's not just the fact we won. 2-0 2-0 at Bournemouth Vitality Stadium in yesterday's lunchtime kickoff. It is the ever-growing sense of style and belief uh, that I think is permeating all of our weathered and beaten Spurs skins, right? I mean, it's the optimism is the word around N17 these days. And uh, folks, we will be throwing ourselves into it headfirst and fear-free as we discuss not just the match, but the wider areas of what's going on. And this is this is how positive and upbeat it is. Even Robbie Williams singing about Ange Postacoglu, which was a bit of a shocker. Hmm. not seen it. Well, <laughs> it's something. My word. Anyway, <laughs> there's any other comments on that? No, we'll move on, shall we? No, none, none at all. But okay, let's, let's get to it. By the way, can someone correct me? Is that the first time we've won a 12.30 kickoff in like forever and a day, a 12.30 Saturday kickoff? It certainly feels like that. Um, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly, it certainly helps when you're not coming back from Azerbaijan on a Thursday, you know, a Thursday night before it. So, um, yeah. yeah I, Fair play. It, it, we certainly didn't have, we're kind of jumping ahead to the, to the match discussion here, aren't we? We Excellent. certainly didn't, we certainly, we certainly didn't have any of those kind of Saturday lunchtime hangovers that we've suffered from in the past. You know, sometimes they can be a bit slow and sluggish, can't they? They can't, they can't always be the most controlled games. And there, there was, there was none of that. There's certainly been times in the past where we've had that early kickoff and it, it's felt very much like, um, when I used to play Sunday league football and uh, people were turning up with hangovers or not having slept or, you know, straight out of the club and things like that and uh, didn't always put in their best performances. And we've had a few lunchtime kickoffs that have felt a bit like that. I think we've had a few players at Tottenham Hotspur over the years who have played a bit like that, hasn't it? <laughs> in, our, in our time, but uh, we'll leave that for another pod. Do you think that's why, chaps, it, you know, Andrew's able to name an unchanged team because we're not coming back uh, from Azerbaijan or pissed and like having stayed up all night <laughs> i think it it might just be the simple truth that the 11 that played last week deserved to start this week so please common it. sense of that nature is not allowed it must well, be an analysis <laughs> big, big, big angie's rubbing off of me well there's a there, there's a birthday treat there's, for him and if we've become your favourite pod, which I believe we have, according to a quote on our text thread this last week, uh, <laughs> that gift is for you. Very nice. Uh, Milo's in with, that was almost like Papsar's pass to Madison yeah. yesterday. Perfectly weighted. Timing was wonderful. I think, you know, you used to go back to the unchanged team. I mean, obviously, not playing midweek helps. You don't need the rotation quite so much, do you? And, you know, this goes back to kind of what we were saying at the beginning of the transfer window, where we're going to need quite a tight squad because the French players aren't going to get many opportunities to play. And, you know, we'll probably have a chance later in this pod to talk about, you know, the Fulham game later in the week and, you know, the close of the transfer window and, and you know, where, where this where this leaves us. But I think that's the main reason. And I think you're right, Ricky. I think the players last weekend, all, you know, the two that came in, I thought had really good games and I think deserve to keep their place. I think we're pretty much close to knowing what his first choice 11 is. And, you know, barring injuries, and obviously there was the questions during the week about Madison after he was, you know, seen wearing a boot leaving, uh, leaving White Hut Lane last weekend. You know, that was the only question. But, you know, he trained the day before the game. Uh, you know, Ange said, if there's no reaction to that, he's starting. And I oh, thank fuck he did start because bloody hell, what a game he had. 
Yeah, well, we're we're at that point of who stood out for us in this game. And I mean, uh, look, I, I'm just going to say for me, it's getting increasingly difficult to see players that aren't standing out, given the context of where we've come in, in the journey with this club in the last few years versus where we have suddenly found ourselves. It seems like every player is is either reborn or a breath of fresh air. So, uh, you know, Madison was the obvious standout. You're absolutely right. Um, but, you know, chaps, a couple of others. Um, I I mean, I agree with Madison. I mean, after that first half, I thought he's definitely going to be my man of a match. But actually, I thought um, Van der Ven again today, uh, Mm. on Saturday, once again, Mm. uh, his partnership with Romero is looking very strong. And I just, I don't know, I thought his reading of his game looked even better this week. He kind of judged things, gauged things, got the foot in when he needed to. And uh, for someone so young, three games in, uh, it's, it's amazing, really. And I think he... Whether that's individually from him or whether that's collectively as a group, they're all supporting each other, I'm not sure, but it's good to see. I thought it was really nice with the defenders where they were supporting each other and Poro was kind of screaming at Cootie every time that they, one of them made a challenge or kicked a ball out or, you know, just a passage of play finished. It was That was quite nice. I think... You mean um, screaming positives? He was like pumping his fist. Yeah. And doing chest bump. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, mean, he, was, he I did noticed that. that. He did that to Madison as well, didn't he? I think... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Poro was excellent in this game. It's, um, I thought, you know, both, you know, going forwards, so, uh, uh, we had the second most passes in the team after um, Van de Ven. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what he's bringing to the team. That's why I think he was going to get selected. Um, and I think, it, you know, I think, I think he's doing that. I think he's doing that really well. Um, but, you know, you're seeing the underlaps from him that you're seeing from a doggy on the other side, it just gives the team greater balance. There's a threat, you know, he, he got four, he had a couple of good chances. Um, and yeah, I just, I think he makes a real difference. And the other one I thought who was really good was Vic. I think, um, again, with the ball at his feet was just superb. Um, you know, showing absolutely no fear uh, when he's got players breathing right down his neck. And yeah, some of the times you know, I think credit to Bournemouth. Um, their pressing was was really good, particularly early on. I think they they kind of lost heart a bit after we scored, uh, but their pressing in in the early part of that game was really intense and very you know created problems for us. And we were playing through that um, you know, reasonably comfortably. And I was thinking back to last season, where you know even against kind of you know moderately uh, kind of successful or you know, well drilled presses, we were crumbling and. Yeah, we just look so comfortable. Uh, can, I, can I just point out that first minute? Like, do you know in the first minute when we had that free kick at left back mm. and Vendor then passed it back to Vicario and then he was thinking, oh, I'll pass it back to, Vicar- uh, to Van der Ven and everything was closing in like into a smaller and smaller space. And I was thinking, oh, this is the first minute and I feel really nervous about that. But, um, but you know, I think as Angela said, uh, you know, we live, and, we live and we die by those kind of moves and we just got to like, keep practicing them. I think... I think as the percentages of the move breaking down shrinks, though, it does make me nervous. It almost looks like it gets down to single figures percentages that this might be successful. And yeah, it was just and, really and, early. And, that was the only reason it like spooked and, me. And but, we are going to get caught. There is no doubt it's going to happen. It's going to happen in games that we don't want it to happen. We don't want it to happen in any game, but you know what I'm saying. It's going to probably happen in a massive game at some point that someone's going to get caught. But you do we all are on board with the philosophy and significantly when you play that philosophy your mentality has to be completely positive and the players all look switched on uh i'm going to pick up on on papsar uh because mm-hmm. he may he probably didn't have his best game overall even though he produced that beautiful pass I mean, it was a mm. fantastic ball but what i did note and you know, this is in the words of, of, of Ange, you know, he, I mean, he sort of made reference. I don't know if he said that he didn't have his greatest game, but he was certainly making reference to the fact that even, you know, he never stops coming at you and he's just coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And that is tough to play against. And I thought yeah. in that moment where Bournemouth were, were, were pushed, his, his incessance was really important, a really important fixture. Yeah. And said that his, his relentlessness was a form of attack in itself, yeah. um, just kind of wears down teams. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, again, I thought it was really good. It was a lovely ball. Um, and I think um, I think him, Decky and Porro, you know, were combining quite well. And I, agree. I think they're beginning to bring the best out of each other. I thought Decky probably had, um, you know, seems to be getting better. I, I, I do think we've got to be bear in mind that... Um, Bournemouth left us quite a lot of space to attack and 
I think, you know, same as Man United last last week. And it'll be interesting to see. So we've got Fulham up next. Fulham tend to play a mid-block. So I think probably, you know, that Sheffield United game maybe is is the, is going to be a really interesting test when we come up with another team that's going to put, you know, play on the edge of their area, five five defenders across the park, you know, sit deep, make it difficult, you know, not give us a lot of space to attack. I think those are going to be the teams we're going to struggle against and we're we're less well suited to to breaking down. And that's going to be a really interesting test when that comes. Yeah. But, they certainly, yeah. I mean, so certainly add strength along with... Um... A Pesuma, obviously. So um, oh, I, I mean, think he's. Yeah, I think as like a, a partnership, we talked about, and that. that's obviously we talked before about and Bentacore coming back. But um, I think yeah. Sal set a high standard, didn't he, against United? So he, mm. and they're young, they're youngsters, so they're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to, they're going to have little ups and downs. But I, I mean, obviously, he didn't have a bad game. He had a good game, another good game, and um, and that's the things we're going to have to kind of like. Um, uh, put up with you know with young players. Sometimes they will have their ups and their downs. I thought Doggy was a little bit more subdued um, yesterday. Great assist, but I think he was just a little bit more subdued. I think on compared to mm. the United game. But I think that might have been. The, uh, I think Semenya is it mm. on their side. Yeah. I think he's yeah. another physical player, and I think yeah. usually you Doggy will out physical anyone really by the looks of it. And I think maybe he was just up against a bit of a stronger player sometimes. But he's he's no, also learning. He's, he's learning that. I mean, he's a very strong guy, obviously, but. Physicality and Naus are obviously are, are, you know partners in the Premier League, right? Absolutely. I mean, and I think it's going to be look when he comes up against Saka in several weeks' time. That's going to be a fantastic battle because he is physically stronger than Saka when you look at them. But I think Saka is a super smart player, and he's learning with every minute. You can see it. But my word, the ceiling, the ceiling—it's a cathedral ceiling. He's he's wonderful. I want to go back to it briefly and ask you both. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, yeah, no, I was just going to say on a doggy. He took a knock very early on. Um, I mean, I think the ref let quite a lot go. And, <laughs> I was just about oh, to get into. I was just about to um, ask that question. So go with it because I think and, that the early press, yes, he let a lot go. Oh, I think right the way through. I mean, you know, Bournemouth were quite hmm? uh, quite handsy. Um, yeah, there's a lot of hands in the back and stuff like that. There was a lot of um, kind of barging out of play and stuff like. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I think. When we were talking about us against Man United last week, we were saying they couldn't live with our physicality. So we can't really, I don't think, I thought he was, he was reffing both teams the same. I think he was letting the game flow. Um, and yeah, but I think for, yeah, maybe the players who are less experienced in the Premier League, that might be hard to come to terms with. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that might be a reason for it. Interesting. Okay, well you addressed the, you, you actually addressed the question I was going to ask because I certainly felt that the referee let way too much go. But that's mm. you know I thought this uh, you know it certainly didn't discourage Bournemouth from kicking uh, kicking through the man from behind. I can say that. But as you said, Milo, you know, <laughs> I mean another <laughs> play another the game you're playing. Yeah, you know, and another ref would have booked uh, Romero for the kind of scissor tackle on the edge of the area uh, and there's other ones that we did I think perhaps Sars shoulder barged one of their players very early on um you know so there was a bit of a bit of both and I know I know we see it through lily white lenses but I th- I, th- I well, think I he was yeah. I think he was probably pretty evenly handed it's just that you know we're we're kind of born to feel aggrieved about anything that doesn't go our way well, I hate to echo an old foe, but I genuinely did not see those. No? Anyway, <laughs> you remember Arsene Wenger was famous for saying I didn't see. Oh, okay. It, right? so you've taken on I that. I didn't see yeah. the. Oh my word! It's it's we have to explain. I this think it's the timing quick. that makes it the best, Steph. I think that's what really killed it. There, <laughs> that's really the timing was great. You were just both moving on to the next question, which is Richie was sub for the second game on the <laughs> yeah. trot. How do we think he did? And what do you think of Sun through the middle? And uh, let me let me posit this to you, uh, Ricky. You haven't been on this pod for a little no. bit. You. Posit is his new word, by the way, Ricky. It's so. my new word. I love it. Yes, I posit. I posit to you, gentlemen. I might not have seen you, but I've certainly been hearing you guys. So, um, the posit. It's, it's, We're going to go to Steph in Dictionary Corner now. Uh, <laughs> or just or just Steph in Dick Corner now, actually. <laughs> posit. I posit to you that uh, Richie is finding himself with every game and that we need to be patient. I think uh, we do. We I think we be... need to be patient. Uh, are you asking me whether I agree with that or are you... <laughs> Yes, I, well, I posit, I no, posit the statement. I know what you're saying. Um, I think we need to be patient, definitely. Is he improving every game? Uh, 
I wouldn't say so necessarily. I think Angie's happy with the work he's doing for the team. Uh, obviously, we're going to need more than that. Whether Angie will be happy when if he's doing this for the team in 12, 15 games' time, I'm not quite so sure. Um, I think I felt sorry for him because I think even in park football, it's never great to tread on the ball in the middle of the pitch and fall over. You know, even when you're not a £60 million player, that's really embarrassing. So, you know, I, I expect he felt like the ground needed to open up and swallow him at that point. Um, so... But he's a tryer. I mean, oh, that's a terrible thing to say about someone. But he does. He 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 tries. He puts all the effort in the world he needs to. He's got the right background to fight against adversity and hopefully show resilience. And as we saw with the Liverpool game today, even that chap scored two goals and he's had a torrid time. Um, so you know, let's hope I, so. I thought he started the game really brightly. I thought he was really really energetic. I thought he was more involved than he had been. And um, his pressing was first rate. I think he lost a little bit of heart. I think the the nutmeg um, when that didn't come off, and he, you know, again, that's a confidence thing, isn't it? He probably took an extra touch that he wouldn't have taken if he was if he was firing at the moment. Um, but when that didn't come off, I think he was a bit frustrated. And then, as you said, kind of the treading on the ball, which is about about twenty minutes later, fifteen twenty minutes later, mm. I think that um, you know he, he kind of uh, you know shrunk back a bit again. Then I think the other thing with Richarlison is because he kind of shows every frustration on his face, doesn't he? He doesn't. Um, you know, you see him around the around the training ground or with the other players and stuff, and he's very playful and happy and everything. You know, I, I, so I don't think he's an unhappy player, but I do think he shows you know every frustration, every thing that doesn't go his way. You know, even yeah, you know, I think against against Man United the week the week before, at one point he was kind of you know punching the punching the turf and stuff like that, and I. I don't. I just think he wears his heart on his sleeve. I don't think it's you know it's aimed at the other players or anything like that. I just think it, it just it's just him. You make a very good point. His physicality. He's definitely a very physical individual in all senses of the word, emotionally and and even the way he runs. He's got a very very unique style which calls him out a little more. He's not a smooth runner, is he? I mean, I have to say, I thought that sort of that back flick trying to get that chance and then he's just about to pull the trigger and the defender pulls a, a fantastic mm. block that's actually when you saw it at that moment you were already like oh no what's he done he's fucked up an easy chance and then when you see it again and replay it's actually a really difficult chance to even fashion yeah. a chance from that i thought so, he did well there i thought he yeah. did well with that chance because the defender looked like he was going to block a first first time shot so he did the right thing just got yeah. very unlucky that it didn't quite fall for him yeah yeah. Small moments, yep. Steph, aren't they? You know, it's they that. are small moments. I completely agree. Yeah. Tiny and, moments. And then, then we then we get to Sunny through the sorry. I was gonna say I think, to say I, I, I think the other thing from his point of view is that um you know, typically in an Ange side, I think, you know, if you look at centre forwards playing for Ange, they don't tend to touch the ball a lot, they don't tend to be involved in build up play a lot, they don't tend to do that. You know, they're they're there to occupy the defenders and create space for others, which I think, you know, he is doing. And if you look our goals so far, you know, we've scored six goals this season from six different players. So no one's scored, you know, two, I think, you know, one own goal. Um, Decky's got one. Uh, Madison. Um, who's the other midfielder who's got one? Saar. Um, and yes. then Royal and Romero are our goal scorers so far this season. Um, so that, you know, they're being, the goals are being shared around. Um, but I think, you know, he, he is, Okay, I said this last week. You know, he is doing his job by occupying defenders and creating that space. Normally, what you yes, would expect absolutely. to see from an what, what you'd expect to see from an Ange player, uh, Ange team, is the wingers getting in behind and getting ball, low balls into the box. And I think maybe um, the Decky cutback that Saar scored from. If we're seeing more of those, I think that's probably the kind of ball that Richarlison's really, really going to thrive on. And I also think he's a little bit unlucky that when he's been coming off. Perisic has been coming on. No, I and agree I think, with that. And I think, you know, again, his physicality. And I think we saw that quite a lot in pre-season, didn't we? The two of them linking up well and him creating chances. And he's more of an aerial threat than Sonny, certainly in a crowded box. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you know, the two of them together would be, you know, might be good to see and might help him. And, you know, maybe the Fulham game's a chance to do that. I mean, the other thing to remember, he had a fragmented season last year, so he's not yeah. really, he's not coming in from on a good roll from last year. Or anything, no, so, and he will. This get, is absolutely the point. 
and he'll get his chart and it looks like through you know probably lack of options that we're probably going to talk about anyway that he will get a bit of a run in the team and some players just need that I think some players need that and they need the support to go with that and we're all very happy at the moment and we need to not ever start thinking we're gonna look for scapegoats at all when something yeah I I I agree with that and that's why I think it it said at the top of this segment that I think it's very very important that people give him time and I think he deserves it and I think we've articulated why that is very well between us Um, let's talk about Sonny um, you know, what do we think of him through the middle? Uh, how do we feel about Sonny's game yesterday in general? Um, well, I think, I mean, both, I think it's, it's quite ironic, really, because I think when before the season started, you thought, oh, our defence is in big trouble. That's the one we're going to have to sort out. And then we thought, who's going to make up the midfield? And then you think, well, if Kulu and at least we've got Kulu, Richie and Sonny playing, that's probably going to be quite solid. And it's almost like they're the last three to start kind of firing. And I think maybe from Sonny and Kulu's point of view, it's because they are literally less in the game because they're just out on the touchline and they're not doing like necessarily many interlinking and crossing runs and that I mean Kulu does he likes to come inside but um Sonny through the middle I think I mean it might be I mean that might be one of the options it might be worth I mean whether he thinks I'll play Sonny through the middle and then Perisic or Solomon to play on the left or whether maybe just swap Richie and Son and see how we go with that because you know Richie likes it on the left as well I mean this is the thing we haven't really I mean Son or Richie are not particularly your bang normal number nines, are they? You know what I mean? They can play there, but they're not, you know, they're not a strictly through the middle person. So so you have to give people a bit of a leeway from that point of view. I think they're just, you know, it's kind of getting to grips with it, I think. I, yeah, I agree with that. I'd, I'd quite like to see them swapping over in games. I think it would be really yeah. tough on... Uh, on Richie now if if he was dropped for Sun and you know we started Perisic or Solomon on the left mm. I think that could destroy Richie's confidence and really set us back so I think having made him yeah. the number nine and um you know started the season with him I think he's got to carry on playing him there but I think during games uh switching them over I think might be a good idea and might give Richarlison a little bit of a respite and also um you know, would be a real would be tough for the fullbacks. You know, we saw that last last season when Sun was struggling for form, and we had that period where Richie was starting, and then Sun was coming on on kind of seventy minutes after Richie had beaten someone up for, you know, for three quarters of the game. Yeah, and it was quite effective. So I don't, I think that would be uh, an interesting thing to try. And again, I mean, it's something Ange did at um, at Celtic where um, he likes wingers who can play on either side. He likes players who can play in different positions. And depending on who the opposition is, he will switch it around. And maybe at the moment it's just too early in the process and he wants more time with the players and he wants the players to settle into the system before he starts messing around with that. But I think that's probably something we can expect later in the later in the year. Um, maybe he starts, um, you know, use the cup games or, or or lesser fixtures in order to experiment with that. But it's definitely something I think he'll do later, the, you know, later in the season. We talked about uh, the first goal in an abstract sense. I think we've touched on it several times. I mean, just for the record, it was a beautiful pass. Uh, it was a beautifully timed run by Madders. Beautiful finish. It was a, a Tottenham goal right out of the almost Keith Birkinshaw era. Actually, it reminded me of some of those passes that. Hoddle used to play for Crooks. Um, it was beautiful. Um, I I got to like get to the second goal. I think what was interesting about the timing of that was before that goal came, I felt for the first time in an Ange era, we were almost like sitting. We were sitting mid uh, mid to low as Bournemouth kept coming and kept coming. We was, we we seemed to be getting pushed back. And, and not pushing as much as, as we would have expected. We were on the back foot for sure. Um, so the timing for that, I mean, it seemed to be a, a psychological thing. It felt like we were in a very sort of shaky place. And, you know, then we, we've got to talk about the subs or the game management. It all, it all is part of the same phase for me, yeah. the, the game management, the second goal. It all ties into one. So let's go there because it was Ange, I think, at, at his best. I mean, doing making smart moves that needed to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of kind of how we were playing, I don't think we, I don't think we were dropping back. I don't think we had changed our line or anything like that. I think just Bournemouth started the second no, half really brightly. Yeah, I think they just started. I mean, they 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 ended the first half kind of certainly kind of the last five minutes and then added time of the first half. I thought they they pulled themselves back into it and, and had quite a good spell. And then at half time, um, Lewis Cook came on for them in in central midfield, and I think that helped a lot. I mean, in the first half. Pretty much all of um, all of Bournemouth's play was coming out wide, and they, they didn't have very many players in in the middle at all. Um, and then, uh, yeah, when they brought on Cook uh, for Rothwell, um, and then 
Semenyo seemed to be dropping deeper as well and getting more involved in build-up. I thought he had a really, really strong game for them. I thought it was, it was certainly a very strong second half. I thought he was a real handful and we we struggled with him. Um, he was almost Basumaresca on occasions, the way he was carrying the ball up and you know, kind of just um, you know pushing players aside. And I think that being able to re-establish themselves in, in, in midfield, I think really, you know, they were, they, yeah, that was, they were effective. They had a good kind of 10, 15 minutes where they were really good. Um, I think you're right, Steph. I think, and, you know, the subs were made, you know, what, 58th minute just before, you know, just before the hour yeah. mark. Um, very, very early. I thought he got the subs right. I think, um, I thought Javier, yeah, for the second game on the trot, I think was, you know, effective in trying to, um, you know, kind of calm the game down and kind of establish control over it. I thought Perisic, you know, helped as well. And, and then the goal came at the, at the perfect point. And again, I think actually this is quite interesting with uh, compared to the Man United game as well. When he made those changes, we scored shortly after, scored our second goal shortly after that as well. So that's kind of two games in the trot where, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's, he's made changes and then it's had more or less immediate effect. And then after that, I just thought we did a great job at seeing the game out. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think, um, I think all these things, uh, and you must love because it does make you look good as a manager <laughs> but he identified those I think I agree with Milo Bournemouth came on strong I think he was probably thinking oh this game's getting a little bit jittery he didn't want it to like run away with us and he, he got the experience heads off the bench I'll get those guys on they can steady things up and I think he also said that I, you know from the midfield point of view I do ask a lot of my midfielders to get through a lot of work mm-hmm. so tiredness can can and I thought Basuma did look a tiny it was more of a kind of think a sock thing with Basuma. I think his socks looked a little bit lower than normal. <laughs> and I just thought <laughs> it was, I just noticed that. And usually he's just he's a real kind of complete physical, absolute specimen of a player, and he never looks tired. He looks like, you know, he could he could go around destroying people all day. And I think Ange just spotted that, you know, I need to just maybe put the brakes on that and then as you say, score a goal soon after that and it's happy days really. There Absolutely. are a couple of things with 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 Ange and and the, uh, you know the post game that he said that I found very intriguing. And first of all, he said something very funny, and this has nothing to do with the game. He's just very he's a very funny man, a great dry wit. I don't know if you saw him getting fitted up for the mic, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. for, for by BT, and he said, "Oh, you could introduce yourself." <laughs> so I just thought his natural wit is very good. But you know, he's definitely. Uh, I loved what he said about. He said. I don't like people talking to me during the game. Yeah, he did, because I want to watch the game and I want to feel the game as it's happening. It's like and a I, film. You know, he said, it's, "It's like when I watch a yeah, film, I don't want no one talking." Great, to me. <laughs> but it's but he's feeling it in an instinctual sense. I love that. Yeah. I love that, and I love the fact that Jedinak spends the first half high in the stands, which is what mm. they do in a lot of American sports, uh, field sports, like the NFL. They have the coaches. Yeah. yeah, which I, I think is it, it blows my mind that more people don't because that's the perspective that surely tells you everything about the patterns of the game. 100%. Yeah, so so he's done a couple of things there which I think are are, are really good. You know, that they're, they're really big, and so it, I think it helps him feel these moments, and, and maybe that's why we identify with him so much because he is feeling it in a way in in a way that we are almost. I mean, it's probably far too simplistic to make that analogy, but I'm going to. You know, it really feels like he's str- straddling, you know, that gap between us and 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 them. You know, and it, I, I don't know. I've got I'm a going quote somewhere of, with that. I've that got a quote good. of the week from Ange for you, if you want, which I don't think yeah, it's one that's been picked up yeah, very yeah. much. Oh. Please, so, yeah. I, I, Ricky, you'll like this because this comes back to something you talk about quite a lot. So he's talking about the relationship with the fans. He said, we, we need their energy and their support. We give back for the support that they've given us. That goes hand in hand. I said before the game, the more we're united as a football club, the better the chance we have of success. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's poetry. I think one of the things that occurred to me during the week is that um, he, it's rare to see someone in his position who hasn't had their personality media trained out of them. Yeah, and I think very true. you know maybe yes. you know, you know you say he's a natural wit. You know he is insightfully clearly you know is very 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 smart in how he sees the game and you know his analysis. I could see that. I I, I bet that all of the British broadcasters are going to be queuing up to try and get him in for the Euros next summer as yeah. one of the studio pundits because yeah. he's he'll be great at that. And and I think. Yeah, I think he's just natural, and maybe it's just the route he's taken. But you know, particularly with your know, ex-players who've been playing in kind of the major European leagues, they're they're told not to say anything interesting. And you know, if you look at Arteta, for being most of them, not a struggle. I may yeah, point out. But, you know, but if you look that, at Arteta being intri- 
you look at Arteta being interviewed, for instance, he very rarely says anything that's of any interest or insight because he's been he's been coached not to do that. And and mm-hmm. I think what's refreshing about Ange is he's not like that. Um, he you know he does answer a question straight. And um, I thought I think it's interesting actually that Madison's being put up for a lot of the media duties. I mean, again, very smart, very eloquent. Yeah. You know, clearly yeah. clearly knows his football, but actually he's quite similar in that. Yeah. He answers questions naturally. He doesn't yeah. really dodge them. And um, the pre-match interview he did with Joe Cole, yeah. where you know he was able to give a joke. I think the, it was Angesque. I thought almost, you know, I obviously think, with a different accent and what have you. But yeah, I think the quality he has is just kind of comfortable in his own skin, and that's always a mm. really kind of attractive quality. And I think the other thing I quite like about him, I love the way he rests his cheek on his hand, doesn't he, when he does interviews? He just puts his hand, there and you just think you're so comfortable and so at ease at doing this. And I'm mean, the only time he's just a bit. Well, he's not off. He just doesn't like stupid questions, does he? He's just like, he shuts them down immediately. So mm. it's just like, you're either trying to get something out of me or it's just, you're just talking kind of nonsense kind of thing. And I just it's won't. Quite... No, go on. I'll finish left. Go yeah, on. it's quite, it's quite a trick. I mean, because he, you know, he's managed to, uh, and he's not into performative theatre, which is such a refreshing change. Um, you you trust him, you believe in him. Essentially, he's not really saying very much. He's not coming out and saying, I've loved Tottenham Hotspur since I was 10 or anything like that. He doesn't say anything like that. He's just, he, his whole manner and his philosophy is 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 quietly stated. Did you see his and, and pre-match presser when he was um, telling, the, uh, telling the quiz question about the, um, the first Aussie to score in, uh, the first Aussie to win the FA Cup? Missed it. No, go on. So he's, he's telling, telling this story and um, he's talking about uh, Craig Johnson who was playing for Liverpool at the time and that's the answer that people say. He says, no, Ozzy Ardiles. And he kind of brings it back to the at him meeting Ozzy at the training ground this week and what have you. And he tells this story and he says, uh, that was that joke was told to me by Bobby Robson when he was out touring and just like just drops them in. And, and I, th- I think he's got to the point now where the journalists are almost eager to please him. He's got the journos eating out of his hands. Yeah. And I think... They're almost—they're all kind of desperate. They're all desperate for a mate off him. They all—they all—they all, all, all want to mate with Ange. That's what it is. They're waiting for Ange to mate with them. This between Jay between uh, Jay rubbing off on him and mating. Good lord, we're getting sexy with Ange this week. Good. If you're listening to this pod, Ange, please know we're being metaphoric here. I must. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, but but it's so funny you say that. I, ages ago. I was told by somebody who worked actually for an airline union. He said that one of the strongest things you can do if you're comfortable in yourself is let people talk at you and just don't say very much. And in the end, they want they want you to acknowledge them in any way. Say anything. It's almost like a superpower, it is. isn't it? You don't. It is the thing. No, it's, it's almost fantastic. like a really subtle superpower, and people yeah. just think, "Oh, I can't ruffle him, or I can't do this, or I can't," you know. And it's just, he, no, I'm just being myself. It's just like, you know. and because he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. What people think of him, he doesn't care. Whereas the you know the last two big name managers who have sat in our chair were you know I think having I mean I think it would be safe to say without any legal repercussions they both suffered from a form of narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, he, I mean he's far 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 from that, and um, it's I think that's why he's been able to unite the club so quickly. Because it is and actually I'm, about And him. I'm liking the way it seems to be... Because obviously we have very different people in our fan base, but it seems to really resonate across a very large section of them. Like, yes. for everyone to be on board so quickly, it gives, <clears> me, <throat> it gives me hope that everyone can see a nice guy as a nice guy. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. a... You know, and I think the other thing... The good thing with Angie is, from a fan's point of view, he's going to do nothing to hurt us, is he, as a fan? No. He himself. No. He's not going to hurt us. Something else might, but it's definitely right. not going to be him. No, no I agree. I don't want to upset you about about this, Ricky, but he doesn't have a tendency to stay at clubs very long. So, you know, maybe, oh. you know, obviously only a couple of years at Celtic, only a couple of years in Japan. Um, obviously, there's a question about, you know, where do you go? You know, where would he go from here? But um, he doesn't hang around and he's quite clear about actually, you know, again, diminishing returns on his approach after a while. So um, I think what we've got to do, and I, say I, don't want to, I wasn't meaning to put a downer on, that, on this quite so early in his tenure. I was, I was, keeping <laughs> it, I was, trying to, I was, I was intending to hold this back until at least Christmas or something. But um, I think, you know, what we've got to do is we've got to put the structure in place now so that we, you know, this philosophy 
this way of playing. I hate, I hate using the word philosophy around yeah. football. It's so, it's so, such bullshit. Um, but I, of course, love it. I, I hate, <laughs> I hate talking, I hate talking I about projects. It. I hate talking about philosophy and yeah. shit. Um, love philosophy. It's great. But, it's great. I love um, it. culture. Is that all right? But, <laughs> but I think I throw we, them all. What, I love them all. I embrace them all. But what we've got to, what we've got to do is we've got to establish a way of playing and what our approach is, you know, bring in that backroom team in order to do this. And then, you know, in a year's time, identify potential successors so that we can carry on building off this and use this as a springboard for a you know new new era rather than, and, you know, I know this is probably where we were going to go, you know, just before Christmas, some kind of massive love-in where we all convinced he's going to be with us for the next 10 years because that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, That was just like the, this, it's like the final episode of Six Feet Under. He's just brought us through yeah. every character's <laughs> life trajectory. What the bloody hell? Can't I enjoy philosophies and projects Look, at just, least until just, Christmas? And like, you know, come on. Just, I mean, just go with the ride, enjoy it. But just in the knowledge that, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a two, know. three year, three year thing. I, I didn't even know what the rate of inflation is going to be in January. I'm not going there. I mean, look, of course you're right. Of course you're uh, look, And far be it for me to question you because I know that you pay attention to these trends a hell of a lot more than I do when it comes to, to managers and players and so forth. So uh, wise words indeed, but I'm not ready. So um, <laughs> for, those, for those who are fantastic, I'm not ready. I'm enjoying uh, seeing the uh, Tottenham Hotspur philosophy expanding <laughs> He's just, I'll sing. I'll sing that Robbie Williams it's, bit next, and he'll just be I'm like, sorry. "Fuck this." On Robbie Williams, I think he owes us because um, he's a Port Vale fan, and we've sent them Alfie Divine this week. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. It, I think it's the very, very least he could do um, yeah, to, to sing yeah. that. I agree. Very well said. And by the way, uh, a, a little portent into the week that was there, folks. We're, we're going early. He's on a future trip today. He's old Milo, isn't he, Ricky? Yep. He's seeing it all. He's seeing it all. I feel like asking him who the next president's going to be in the United States. Oh, you don't, want to, know, you don't just... want to know the answer to that. No, I don't. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's, anyway. That'd be, like to, that'd be like me telling you that Conte's going to be our next manager. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> He's coming back. Oh, God. Dear God, I, and you know, okay, two minutes, a minute on this, and then we will move on. I just cannot ever believe how much on board I was with him. And I, I know it was desperation because I hated the one before him so much. I wanted to believe that Antonio loved us. But anyway, oh, maybe a more pragmatic and analytical approach would help me. I can't help myself, I suppose. So anyway, yes. <clears throat> Shall we go to Bournemouth and what we thought of them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, nope. So, what do we think of Bournemouth? <laughs> I thought I think they're all, I think they're right. I think it's said in commentary that they've got a lot of injuries and new signings mm. that aren't even playing yet. Um, I thought Gary O'Neill done Gary O'Neill. That's right, isn't it? I think he did a mm-hmm. good job there last season. So it's a bit. Of, I'm not sure why they got rid of him, but maybe you know maybe there's a story behind that. I'm not sure. But uh, and the new guy, they've taken a chance on him, and I think it's quite bold of them. And I think they're going in the right direction because you always think Bournemouth are just going to be a relegation candidate and they've got that small stadium and everything. But um, I think they'll stay up this year. I think they'll definitely stay up this year. Yeah. I, I mean, hope I haven't really said like... in the predictions that they're going down. Do we go and check? Um, I really like them. I think they've done some really smart business this summer. Um, Ireola, I think, did a really good job at um, Vallecano. And, you know, before... He got the Bournemouth gig. He was approached by Leeds last season when um, when they had the vacancy, and um, his club refused to give him permission to talk to them. So you know the football he was playing in Spain was really, really good, uh, really exciting stuff. I think he's got some really interesting ideas. I think you know, I was impressed by how quickly he's got Bournemouth playing how he wants them to play. Um, I thought you know whilst they never really. Really threatened us. I mean, what was what was the XG on the game? So uh, where are we? I've got it here. So zero point four eight to Bournemouth, two point two six to us. So you know, XG agrees with the scoreline. It was you know pretty convincing. But I thought, um, you know, certainly their start and that period. Yeah, you know, I suppose the start of both halves really. Um, they gave us you know a hard time and 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 was a, you know it was a challenge. It wasn't it wasn't a walk in the park for us. And you know that the you know the they're pressing effectively. They're physical. They're skillful. They're trying stuff. Yeah, I like them. I think. I think they're certainly a, a team that I'll. Yeah, if they're if they're going to be on TV, I'll probably make an effort to watch them because they're doing some interesting stuff. And yeah, good for them. Yes, I've nothing else to add to that. I think you've all covered it. Other than the fact, whenever I see Philip Billing's name, I just say it out loud: Philip Billing. 
for some reason it's a combination of words that amuses me and I say it out loud is that a, a sort of like a mental tick I don't know if I should be sharing that on pod but <laughs> there we are Philip Billing I shout it loudly when I say it Philip Billing it's like <laughs> anyway uh, yes moving on from that weirdness uh, one positive and one negative in 30 seconds uh, Ricky uh, well, obviously there is no negatives whatsoever. Um, but I think I think that's pretty much how you'd want an away performance to go against a team that's likely to be bottom half this season. But I think, and this is the important bit, it's not necessarily how you expect a game to go for a team that's largely got a new. Well, he's only three games in with a new manager and a whole load, a whole new set of players. So that's a positive. And the only other positive, well, the only other, there's loads of positives. Um, I think you've been calling it something else, but I call it the anti-Spurs years. I think it looks like they're well and truly over. Um, Kane's not here, but we're run, the current run rate is two, two goals a game. Um, so, you know. The and first I've, mention of that surname for a Well, that's what I'm saying. We're still scoring two goals a game, so something must be going reasonably right in that goal scoring department and the other thing i would just say is that i'm not gonna say anything negative about Ange for for the whole season i think you just gotta let the man work i'm gonna hold you to that and i hope you uh, i hope you're vindicated because i think you will be but anyway milo i i prepared a um positive which was about the six goals six different goal scorers and then in my excitement managed to blurt it out during the uh when we talk about the match um but so i agree with you ricky about kind of yeah, the goal scoring. And I think at some point soon, we're going to tonk someone. I think there's going to be a game where this clicks and we're going to run up, you know, six or seven past someone. And, mm. you know, it'll be, you know, I think it'll be really exciting. I I, I was thinking when, when we did our season preview, I, it was actually, it was after we recorded, I thought, ah, oh, I should have put in a kind of hot take one where we, we, we each have to come up with something that's yeah. kind of wildly implausible. <laughs> I think my, my wildly implausible would be us hitting someone for seven this season because I think we'll do it. Um, so yeah, like you, no negatives really. Um, I, th- I thought it was a really, really good, uh, you know, performance, you know, we're exciting attacking. Um, we scored at exactly the right moment in each half. And then after that, just, you know, saw out the game and I, yeah, I mean, and just getting everything right at the moment. You can't do any wrong, can he? The only negative I have is that poor old Richie still hasn't got on the score sheet, despite, I think, deserving a goal for his performances. He's been working really hard and has not quite had the luck in front of goal. It's a small negative. Um, and the positive I'm going to choose is something we discussed um, off pod, actually. And it was that moment in the second half where uh, where yeah, Pedro Porro was given the ball very deep. Uh, and they were closing in on him and he just had the confidence, skill and nous to let that ball run right across him, turn and suddenly he was in an ocean of space striding forward another opportunity for, for us in these relentless waves of opportunities that seem to be coming under the Ange uh, Tottenham Hotspur era and and it just told me everything about you know where this club is and where these players are they are being told that you know the way forward is to dare is to do like dare and do it it's good it's okay and that to me was such a positive and I actually I actually let out a breath when he did that because it was so nice to see someone try something like that and make it look so effortless and easy uh, whereas you thought of like you know that that player being persecuted in, in previous eras if it had gone wrong not even they wouldn't even have tried it would they they wouldn't even have given it a try they'd have been afraid of the of, of the criticism was that the one where he was on his own in midfield there was kind of yeah They'd yeah. all put everyone had pushed up. He'd found a pocket of space. The yeah. ball came through, and he he let the ball past him, and then and turned yeah. and then picked yeah. it up in his stride yeah, and ran. Right yeah, him. no, fantastic, Beautiful. fantastic bit of play. And I think actually, I mean, again, this is something to look for. I think um, him and Saar particularly are, are, are very, very good at um, pulling the opposition around and creating space. And mm. you know, Poro coming in, Saar going wide. It's very, very difficult. You're part of the reason for inverting your fullbacks is it means that the wingers have to come in with you and you get opposition players in parts of the pitch doing things that they're not very comfortable mm-hmm. doing. And you know, last weekend, you know, we were pulling Mason Mount around all over the place to the point where you know he kind of disappeared out of the game. And yeah, I think there's some smart moves there. Some of that's the players. Some of that's uh, Ange. Mm-hmm. You are you you are seeing him you're instructing them and moving them around. It's yeah. it's. It's good stuff. Yeah, and you're ultimately, as I said, you're ultimately seeing players playing for joy and excitement and trying to do the things that that, that can be done versus being afraid of what can go wrong. Wonderful. Yeah, you, the other the other break the lines 
um, tactic we got is both from Madison and Basuma can do that with their back to goal, do that swivel left, swivel right, and lose their player. And then they've yeah. broken through the lines. And both of them yeah. can do that really, really well. Almost Dembele-esque. You can tell, folks, that we're very excited still and will continue to be, I think, for most of the season by the Ange Postacogli era because one positive and one negative in 30 seconds has become another celebration of further, further Angeisms and we've taken a, taken a good five minutes. So, But but good stuff and long may it continue. Um, uh, I suppose now we should go to the week that was. I mean, we have to stop waxing lyrical about the game and where the club is. Uh, yeah. Why don't you kick us off, given that you've already given a hint <laughs> of what the top item is in the week right. that was, Milo. So a, a couple of loan moves for some of our younger players. Alfie Devine has joined Port Vale and Troy Parrott has joined Dutch side Excelsior Rotterdam for the for the remainder of this season. And I know that Troy Parrott got on for um, Excelsior uh, on Saturday. He came on about the 80th odd minute. Uh, what do we think of these loans? Are they good? Uh, Alfie? Uh, mm. he might be, is, is he going to be close to his family home? That might help because I think he's up from... He's Wigan. from the Wolf West, so the, isn't he? The kind of, yeah, the other, the other side of Manchester, yeah. Oh, okay. But. And so that might help with him because I think um, well, I think it was actually Troy that lived with his family, didn't he, when he was at MK, I think. So mm. sometimes that can help. Although Alfie Devine doesn't seem, you know, he seems a good level-headed lad. And Troy, I just think Troy is, I think he's 22 years old by next February. So mm. he's got to get his skates on because, you know, time's passing him by. Uh, alone to Holland, Dutch team. Pfft, I don't know. I don't know enough about Excelsior, to be honest. So for me to comment on the move would be would be really redundant. What I will say is that he seemed very excited. I do remember catching a quote from him about this, saying that they play the style of football that he's looking forward to. What else is he going to say, bless him? It's the chance to play football, which he's not, you know, always had much, much of a chance of. Good luck. I hope it works because otherwise he will become another one of the, the sort of the near misses, it feels, you know. I- but I don't think we should be worried about that. I think, you know, if it doesn't work out, and this is a shop window loan, that's fine. That's fine, you know, because we'll get a few million for him. He came through the academy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really make a, a huge difference. That's fine. And at the moment, we've got so many strikers coming through, you know, young strikers around the club that, yeah. you know, most of them are going to have to sell anyway. I think Alfie Devine, I've seen quite a lot of criticism online uh, online about, you know, why isn't he joining a championship club? And I think I think it's probably more important that he's playing every week so I'd rather he went to League One played every week than went to the Championship and was a squad player and you know uh, and not playing quite so often and he definitely needs to play every week Um, it's a critical point in his development it's that Mm. line of you know when you're a kid and when you're in secondary school do you play two years up with the seniors or do you play the same year as as your age and he's at that point I'm not sure I, I, I would love to see him challenged more. But there again, I've never played in the championship, let alone the, the, let alone the first division. It's probably one of the more challenging divisions you can play in because, by God, you're going to get kicked and God knows what. So, you know. But you've got to, you've got to bear in mind that he hasn't played any first-team football anywhere. So, you know, we've, we've kept him back yeah. for three years, so he cl- counts as club trained. Correct. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think we need to um, – he needs to – you know acclimatize himself to to the speed and the pace of that and we don't know you know maybe they've got one of these clauses where we can break it in january and loan him to a championship club if he's absolutely ripping it up in league one um you know which we we have seen us do before it just occurred to me steph actually while we were doing that that port vale have got alfie divine for a song oh that's very good (laughs) i like that oh Oh, very good oh my word again it feels like the perfectly disguised Papsar pass to James Madison, <laughs> gloriously flicked in. Wow, that was very good. I'm not. I'm not giving good. <laughs> I just wanted to let I mean, it, it sit it, for a moment because it, it was very good. It's very good. Let's not discuss it. It was worth no, the no, grain. No, it more. was worth the grain. No more. No, 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 no. Be positive. It, it was. It was a fine one. Steph, tell it. You, you tell me about Brennan Johnson. Oh, I don't know that much about him as an individual. I can tell you what he likes to eat, but what I do know is that Ali Gold tweeted on Sunday evening that Ange Postecoglou, that is the very Ange who manages Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, has made Brennan Johnson his number one attacking target for these final days of the window which I hope means that he's on his way if the manager wants him so do I uh, talks have taken place it's a tough deal to do it's likely to be a late one if it happens uh, Milo was telling me uh, before we started and I believe he's telling you as well Ricky that there's all sorts of like wheeling and dealing going there could be a centre-back involved you know there's, it's, it's going to be one of those uh, you know let's see what happens you know as we approach the, the, the deadline what do we think I'll go first 
I, I think he's going to be overpriced, whatever happens. I think that's the market right now. I think that you can't get away from that. Uh, but what I would say is that if Ange likes him uh, more than, you know, maybe the gift Orbans of this world and so on and so forth, you give the manager what he wants. Simple for me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, if, if you look at his price and then look at, say, look at Anthony Gordon, uh, I think it was it 48 million he, he went to Newcastle for. They're the same age. They play in similar positions, you know, you know, wide, wide forwards, um, you know, similar, similar level, I would say. So I think, you know, if I was Forrest, I'd be saying, well, look, you know, that that's how much he went, you know, this player went for, he's, you know, Brendan Johnson's as good. He's got more minutes under his belt. He's got more international caps. He's, you know, you know, last season, I think he scored what, 10 goals in the Premier League, his first ever season in the Premier League, 21 years old, you know, I think it is expensive. There is a homegrown kind of premium on it, but yeah, I, I think it's worth doing. And I think actually when we compare him to, you know, say Gift Auburn, I think Gift Auburn's a really exciting player. I like him a lot, but he's probably more of a punt. He's not as yeah, uh, he's not as strong. And, you know, if he came in, he's probably less likely to have an impact on this season. So that's the key. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we look at Brennan Johnson again, doesn't doesn't need to be registered in the 25-man squad because he was 21 in January. So he counts as a young player this year as well. And he's homegrown. So when we get back into Europe next year, it helps us with our squad for Europe as well. There we go, Ricky. I, I hope think... that that's broken it down. What do you, what do you think? I think? Well, I just think um, regarding the Gordon example, I mean, anyone selling anyone to New, uh, Newcastle is just going to like rinse them out, aren't they? So, um, you know, you're going to ask for a lot of money for someone. But... Um, but I think I'm just a little bit. The only thing I'm a bit nervous of, and I shouldn't be, is I think the price is a bit. I, I take all what Milo said on board. I mean, I think the price is a bit toppy at 50 million. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of a bit nervous that further down the line, I'm going to be thinking uh, I might have a little bit of a bad moment thinking we spent 60 million on Richarlison, 50 million on this kid, and that's like 110 million. And I just think that there might be a point down the road where we might think, oh my God, why, why did we do that? But that shouldn't be a reason not to sign him because obviously all that might not come to pass. It just feels that 110 million on them two with um, question well, marks another, about pick, them. Pick another player then, and the one that's cheaper, and then put those two together, and then it won't seem quite so bad. Uh, yeah, well, but, well, I, I might, I might, I might like the other uh, gift Auburn. I think I'd rather take a chance on him because, right. like, I mean, this does go a little bit back to me saying earlier that we none of our any of our forwards are maybe your real straightforward number nines, and this chap isn't either, really. So. He's another, you know. I mean, he fits in with Kulu as well, so that helps on that side. I'm not saying, you know. I, I think players who can get around the outside and get balls into the box is probably more of a priority than an out-and-out nine for us with within the system. So, Well, yeah. it just depends. Yeah, it depends how Richie works out, doesn't it, really? A lot of this kind of, you know. But we've got the other chap from Argentina, so, you know, for, you know, months' time, so who knows. Uh, Jacket Tanganga, Everton are said to have joined Inter Milan and Luton in the race. Is it a race? Uh, to sign Jaffet Tanganga. And Eric, back to our old, well, Steph's best mate, Eric Dyer. Fulham are meant to be interested in Eric Dyer, which is possibly connected with our interest in Tosin... Adarabio. Adarabio. Reports elsewhere say that Newcastle and Wolves are also interested in Eric. Uh, sorry, a pronunciation correction. I cut in on you. It is probably Adarabio. <laughs> right. So my favourite source of information, Pop Bitch, said in their newsletter last week <laughs> that formerly banned agent Willie McKay has been putting Tangay and Dembele around Saudi... <laughs> punting, even. Punting Tangay and Dembele around Saudi clubs. Um, and And... And keen listeners will have noted that the biggest shock of this particular uh, or revelation surely is that Milo's chief source of information in the world is Pop Bitch. I love Pop Bitch. Pop <laughs> Bitch is great. I know you love it, yeah, but I don't think our listeners knew. And I think they're pretty reliable. So if they're saying it's happening, I think it probably is happening. I'd have them as tier this- one as... No, so um, I just I just thought that maybe this agent's got it round the wrong way. Aren't you meant to be like um, punting all the Saudi clubs to Tangai? Is that not how these these Saudi moves work? Well, we we don't know who William McKay is working for. He may well be freelancing it, <laughs> trying good. trying to find trying to find a deal and then approach <laughs> Tangai afterwards, or he, he might be working for Ndombele. You know, we don't know who he's working for. Reggie, bit of a one from left field here. 
with the Manchester Evening News reporting that Manchester United are looking for cover at left-back and Sergio Reguilón is one of the possible candidates with Mark Cucurella the other option. Uh, you know, United are looking to bring a player in on loan after Luke Shaw picked up an injury that could keep him out for a couple of months. Ha, OK, great. I guess if we can make it happen, I think we should. Fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be wonderful, especially if we can do it in time for the next game against I, them, which I th- we would be, of course. I think, I think they beat, I think they, um, beat us to him three years ago when we signed him I think oh sorry we beat them to him they yeah. they wanted him then so yeah Jota another odd one it says in the notes uh, and it is isn't it an odd one because the reports of Saudi Arabia say that Jota who played so well for Angers Celtic last season may well be available after falling out with his teammates at Al Ittihad is it Al Ittihad how is that I pronounced so, yeah. Al Ittihad so. yeah yeah so may be available after falling out with his teammates at Al Ittihad. And you'll probably hear me butcher the name because I'm sure Milo will leave it in. Uh, Giotto joined Al Ittihad from Celtic this summer for 25 million quid, but hasn't started any league matches since his move. Are you, by positing this story to us, Milo, are you hinting that perhaps Ange is going to like take a look at Giotto? Well, that's, maybe? that's what the rumours are. I, I wouldn't imagine we'd get him and Johnson, so maybe that's the fullback option. Um, I think there's been suggestions that um, Ittihad might be allowed might allow him to leave on on loan mm. um but uh yeah that i mean it's he had manager is nuno he's mm. he'd be good he'd be good <laughs> i like him and finally another world one and almost certainly bullshit there's been lots of talk about Gio Lacelso um in spanish press this week saying that he's frustrated by his lack of playing time so far this season well that's a bill been put right because he came on uh, <laughs> against bournemouth um, the Spanish press have said that uh, Barca and Real Betis have both approached us about taking Gio on loan uh, with this either refusing to discuss a move or open to him leaving, depending on uh, which newspaper, Spanish newspaper you're, you're reading. Um, do you agree with me? Is this bollocks? Um, yes, I'd put probably the last two, three or four of them in the um, two plus two calculator bracket, which as Ange might call it, I think. Basically, that's what the journalist has got the old two plus two calculator out. So, yeah. Go on, I'd just say... I don't know, mate. Football works pretty strangely, to be honest. I don't have any information. Whoever's here at the end of the window, I'll either be picking them or I won't, depending on how they're training. That would be probably my answer. Uh, okay. But no, I, 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 who knows? I, I think it is bollocks. I certainly hope that Gio is still happy in his reclaimed uh, love affair with the football club. That's all I would say. But yeah, it seems a little spurious would be the spurious rumours. There you go. Right. Uh, well, the trans- transfer window closed on Friday. So yeah, with with days to go, if we could only strengthen in one position, who do you go for? What position would you go for? Just the one. I think it's probably got to be another central defender. I think even though I do think we another forward is is, is needed, we have enough to cover there. Uh, we do have enough attacking options off the bench between Perisic and Solomon. So it would really have to be another young, pacey, smart centre-back. Yeah, I agree with Steph. I don't trust any of our backup centre-backs. So I will any new centre-half will move us further on from them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we're pretty well stacked. I mean, you give me a second choice. I'm taking another another forward, and obviously it depends on um, kind of departures. But yeah, I agree with you. I think um, if we could go into a season with Romero, Van der Ven, Sanchez, and plus one, that'd be all right. I did do a little t- totting up before we went, and based on kind of who's obviously in, I'm, I put that as a 23-man squad. So we put another player in 24-man squad. That's pretty much about right it's pretty much where you'd want it gives us two players for pretty much every position and it would leave us with um i think where are we eight players to get out this week so the ones i would have departing on that would be Larice whiteman jaffet dyer spence session on his crop so he can't go region uh white and under belly so yeah i think yeah. It's a, i think yeah. I'm, i'd say that that's probably the list the moving list isn't it Seems feels right to me. Yeah. Well, I think Angie's quite comfortable about it. He seems to think that, yeah, we need to get rid of players, but that really is someone else's job and we'll just be giving out the um, squad numbers as and when the window closes. But he, so. but he, ha- he has said that if those players don't leave, don't move on, they're not going to get squad numbers. They're not going to be included. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so he's not, yeah. he's almost saying I'm not concerned about that's someone yeah. else's job getting rid of them. So, yeah. You know. And he's right. It is. Yeah. And this is further, you know, part of the clarif- the quiet, calm clarification of our football club that this manager has, has brought in, uh, in such a short amount of time and got us all a bit dizzy, which is great. But uh, look, before we go, uh, we've got Fulham in the League Cup on Tuesday nights, the earliest we've entered the League Cup for some time, I think for what, nine, ten seasons or mm-hmm. longer? Twelve? I mean, obviously, since, you know, we were last not in Europe. Um, very quickly, 
Would you make any changes for that game? I'll throw in that I would like to see the Celso get a full 90 minutes or at least start. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, again, Ange has said that there will be changes. That he will rotate it up. I think it's a chance for... You want to keep the French players reasonably fresh, don't you? So I think I'd probably look at making maybe four changes. I think Sanchez probably ought to start as well in order to keep him fresh. Um, yeah, I agree with you around Lascelles. So, you know, maybe you, you swap out the fullbacks and start Davis and Roy Allen. That maybe that's it. And, you know, I'd, although I wouldn't mind seeing Perisic or Solomon start as well. And I think the other thing is I, I, I'd quite like to see, there's a couple of the kids in the academy. The academies are both the under 21s and the under 18s are playing Angeball. They're playing the mm-hmm. same formation, same system. Uh, Jamie Donnelly and, uh, and Santiago have both been playing very well for the under 21s. So I'd, I'd quite like to see them on the bench. But yeah, I agree with you, Steph. Yeah, just uh, just generally a more general point. I'm just what I'm hoping to see sort of in the long run is just that these cup teams, whether it be like a half and half mix or the youth mm. players or rotation options, all playing with the same just cohesiveness and belief and energy as the uh, the first choice Premier League team does, because we've certainly missed that in other years mm. when we've played like our lesser European games or League Cup and that kind of thing. So that'd be nice. Well, there we are. I mean, we always have this line, you know, and it's sort of to prompt us, thanks, that was fun. But it really seems that every week we get together to talk about Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, It really is fun and it was fun to talk about it again. And it's going to be fun to talk about next week's trips to Fulham or Burnley. Look, we're going to lose games. We know this. But this feeling that we're all in, that's what we've begged for on this pod. That's what so many of my friends have begged for, right? Uh, right. I, I, I think we're all united on mm. this, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. I should Absolutely. say we're all together on this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it really was fun. And chaps, uh, long may it continue. So we'll be back next week to talk about our trips to Fulham and Burnley. Thank you, chaps. Thank Cheers, you. Steph. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening and keep on joining us. Uh, nice to see you all listening wherever you are. I'm not seeing anything. I was actually, good God, that started to sound like Glenn Hoddle cut that. I sound like an old man going off on a ramble. I'm just going to say thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>